G'day trendsetters, welcome to episode 401 of the Transmove podcast. My name is Tim Egg, and if you have any questions, jump on through to the website trainsmove.com or you can simply send me through an email, tim at trainsmove.com and you're probably thinking, well, where's your little sleazy ads, Tim? Ha! Ah, it's a live read today, ladies and gentlemen. Has anyone seen the Australian dollar at the moment? It sucks balls at the moment, it's horrible. It, it, my coaching fees, I charge $60 Australian a month. So for the athletes in the US who've been thinking about online coaching, should I, should I not? Can I work with this bald-headed turd? Can I? You will only be charged 30 at this moment because the Australian dollar sucks. The US athletes would be paying $33.21 per month. That's, that's gold. Yes, the Australian dollar's... Yeah, slightly below the value of horse manure, I'm pretty sure, somewhere around there. So if you've been thinking about it, now's a good time to have a crack at it. Jump onto the website, trainsmove.com. You can click up on the top tabs of coaching. Have a read of that. If that's what you're thinking, you you know, that would be in line with what your values are. There's old blogs to have a little bit of read through to see if you can work with me or whatever. Send me through an email, tim at trainsmove.com, and, you know, we can have fun. Yeah, it's, it's always good. I always enjoy it. Uh, today's question comes from Damo, who uh, I actually started. Damo, I do apologise. He sent this like 15, two weeks ago. But I'd already done a heap of podcasts straight in a row. And I said, oh, we'll just wait a few. Yeah, we'll get to it. And then I thought, oh, I've got 10 minutes. I'm going to pump this podcast out. And I clicked onto it. I started reading the first paragraph and I thought, oh, there's a lot in this. I'm going to have to come back to it. And I just simply haven't gone back to it. Just life's just been killing me at the moment. But anyway, the question is a fair few, in, a fair bit in this. So Damo writes, I recently completed my first triathlon at the Ironman 70.3 Geelong, which was a stellar field. My um, finished time was 6 hours, 12 minutes and have been a lot better. I could have been a lot better if I didn't freak out in the swim. As I look to improve all disciplines, could you help me with the following questions? So Damo's written a heap of questions here, so we'll go through them one at a time. Swim. Normally a two minutes per 100 meter pool swimmer. Would I be better off going to a swim squad? And if so, how soon would I expect to see improvements? And will this translate to open water? So we'll get to this question first. Um... How quick will you see improvement? Well, that depends um, uh, what sort of squad you're going to be joining um, and how active will the coach be on deck. So if a coach is on deck, is he going to be spending, you know, he might have 20 athletes out into the pool. But if you can steal a little bit of his time here and there and just for um, technique corrections or whatever, the value could be massive. So, but then you're going to, I've seen some where they're just going, on, they're right on the whiteboard, warm up, you know, 300 metres of freestyle, for 100 metres of backstroke, and they start listing all this thing, and they go, all right, lane one, go, lane two, go, and then, you know, they, they do that sort of stuff, and then athletes, apart from a good solid block of work, that's all they're getting, but then you get some really good coaches that would be 
just just having athletes leave on certain times and having everything correct and say right for the main set, for the first part of the main set I want you in lane one then I want you to move over to lane two and then they'll be saying right you're moving your arm you need to move your arm further this right arm further out it, it only needs to move an inch but I really want you to feel like you're moving at three and a half meters out so just have that exaggerated correction but it should feel it should feel horrid but it's going to look better. That would be the sort of coaches you'd really want to gravitate to, ones that can oversee everyone and give people little tips as they're going. Um, there used to be a really spectacular swim coach on in Launceston, and unfortunately he's moved to Queensland. But I used to, when my kids were younger and they had swimming lessons, they'd be in the little pool and I'd go, oh, I'm just going to go up there and watch this coach and I'd sit there and I'd just watch him. He had two stopwatches, one in each hand. He'd be constantly whistling at, at his athletes and I'd go, John! And he'd start yeah, offering to, oh, he was amazing. He, he had would have 20, I'd say 20 plus athletes just going and he, he was really, really, really good. But um, so, and how much, how soon would you see improvements? Well, that depends on what that coach sees in you. He might be able to see, you know, I'll oh, just do this with your head, do that with your kick or whatever. And all of a sudden, within one week, you've lost seven seconds per 100 metres. Or he might be saying, well, you've got the foundations right. It's just you, you need to work on some more speed work or you need to work on more some power or, or whatever so that process might be a lot slower so it's you will see improvements going through to a squad and it's a lot more motivating too um, but you just got to collect grab that squad get try and find the right squad um, and and as will it translate to open water yeah it will um, but you also will need open water specific training sessions with it. So, so, and a lot of swim squads will actually add this into it. So, during your main set, just look up sight every six strokes or so, and then when it's time to turn, you know, instead of kicking off on the wall, stop half a meter before it and just do a quick turn there and go, and and starting each set off in the deep water with without pushing off the wall and a few other things and then obviously in open water is going to help as well but you will it will translate uh bike i generally do most of my bikes training indoors is it advised to do the majority of the workouts within shorter time periods an hour and 30 or less as high intensity intervals over unders or ramp as I am time crunched, um, I would rather. I think any rides under ninety minutes, if you can get your headspace into it, uh, you're much better off doing it indoors under ninety minutes. You've just you're going to have a big bigger bang for your bucks. Generally, you're not going to stop spinning spinning your pedals around because um, there's no you know haven't got that downhill motion you'd have you know it's not being interfered with headwinds tailwinds lights cars um you're not you know be riding along the road you go geez that's jono start riding with jono and all of a sudden you're behind him because he you know you say oh i'm not feeling well today jono i'm just gonna hop in behind you mate and just cruise on in um it's 
so under 90 minutes yes yeah, so as for intensities i'm i can't answer that because i don't know the way you were talking about structuring your training week some sessions um needs to be a ro- more aerobic based some sessions need to be more higher intensity some needs to be um more threshold some need to be around threshold but with a lower cadence so you can try and get stronger on the bike um it, it, it's hard for me to say um because i have a i do it and i have athletes that i give to all the time where we say to them that this ride's just easy or this one's just moderate and it's only going for an hour so and obviously they're going to be most likely doing in that indoors so it's um an intensity adding some intensity on those particular sessions wouldn't help that athlete whatsoever in fact it may even harm harm what we're trying to achieve on that particular session or week um but it but it goes back to reverse engineering what you're trying to achieve so you grab your um your goal race let, let's say um i haven't you you may have it this listed i'm not sure but let's let's just say you're doing uh 70.3 in october well what's your goal for that race and then you look at your available training hours on average and then you just slowly work back and is this what you can achieve in training will that translate to what you want to do in on race day so if you go oh, i'm going to qualify for this world championships but you're only got six hours available training hours you'd want to be very very talented athlete to be able to pull that off because you but if you go oh, i've got seven to 16 17 hours training available a week and my goal is the 70.3 world championships Right, well, then what do you have to do to achieve that? Your, your available training hours seem roughly around okay. More, you know, if you can get to 20, that'd be nicer. And you get, but you just slowly work your way back and you go, right, this needs to be more race specific. Then I need to, this course, I'm going to have, it's going to be rolling. So I'm going to have to find some more power and recover at race, race what? So I'm going to have to pencil that you know from start adding that from four four months out adding some real power sessions and then recovering at race watts for and then backing it off some more and then going again and you just slowly work your way back um <clears throat> low heart rate training uh could you explain the difference between math training heart rate training based on max heart rate and heart rate training based on a lactic threshold my Garmin has switched to has switched my running heart rate zones to lactic threshold, which I assume would be more accurate than the other two. But um, given that is based on accurate running data as opposed to the ability to 180 minus the number age number. Uh, both metabolically will be looking to put in a solid couple of months of low heart rate before embarking on the next chapter either going back to marathon or ultra or ultra and full Ironman um, or Ironman so yeah you got three different systems there um, 
Well, obviously, Math is 180 minus your age. It's more of a concept, not concept. It's more of a, its own separate method. It's um, it's around the zone two-ish of your lactic threshold. It'd be give or take a little bit. Um, it's a good it's a good method. I coach less with that these days than I used to. Um, but I, some athletes you look at and you go, you need to spend a good two, three, maybe more months just purely training at math. Um, so it's it's good. Um, you're 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 right. Well, the Garmin lactic threshold, it's collecting the data that's coming through, and it's. Um, auto calculating it and giving you the a set number which you may as well work off that um the going off max heart rate creating your zones off max heart rate i generally do that for athletes myself um but it's not working off a particular number oh I'll, I'll get an athlete to do a max heart rate test and then I'll go back and look at past training sessions, past races, and then I'll actually form my own zones for that for that particular athlete. Um, it, it's a pain when it, when fitness becomes better, and I've got to redo it and reset, reschedule it all, and set it all out, and do a little bit more homework. Um, but that's good. that's what I do. There is no actual particular mathematical numbers. It, it might the one I do it. It's more. Um, going off the data I'm seeing, and um, that, that's how I do. That's how I do it generally. Um, so, if you're going to go back to marathons, ultra marathons, um, you can spend some time do, doing math training. Do do a math test. If you're looking at that distance, I like a ten kilometer math test. I just it just tells a better better story um and then you train for four weeks go do that exact same test try and and replicate those exact same um on the exact same course and everything and if you're seeing improvements you can keep going at it do another four weeks do it again another test if the moment you stop seeing results then it's time to change you can also add um speed work well i'm i'm using that word very very loosely speed work with math you just got to pick um the right condition so if you've got a nice little downhill um section you can run a hell of a lot faster down that and keep your heart rate in that nice math zone um, also, I am I'm a believer to when we're doing math training and and just normal aerobic doing big blocks of aerobic training for running. If you you start adding strides too and drills, and I think you'll start seeing a bigger bang for your buck. So let's say you're going out for an hour math run, do an hour or forty five minutes, doing a nice math run. After that, forty five minutes, do some drills followed by a couple of strides, then maybe another five minutes easy math run. Or another five minutes at math and then call it, call it a day. I, I, I like that, to, especially since I've got um, seeing the data from run power meters. And you can see that leg spring stiffness and all the, all the other numbers improve over a month, two months. It starts looking a little bit nicer. 
I will say this though, um, I've been, you know, since coming back from my injury, I've been obviously running to a run stride power meter, and a lot of my, um, what a lot of the runs I've been doing is right on that border of zone one, zone two, like right bed bang, right on that border, and I've just been clocking the miles and. And then one one session per week, I've been adding intensity. And recently, I've just been adding intensity on one session, a track session, followed by, you know, four or five days later, I've been adding more race intense style intensity on the long run. And that and that's pretty well it. The rest have been moderate, you know, right on that zone one, zone two number. And I've been looking at my heart rate going down, 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 and to the point where I would imagine I have I haven't done any tests, but I would imagine if I go out and do a math test, my ten kilometer math test that I've done in the past, I would be shocked if I didn't get a PB on it. It's it's gone. I did that seventy point three race um, going back a month ago. And my fitness, my run fitness is, you know, non-existent. And I was surprised to see that I was able to hold a heart rate of 150 the whole, the whole time. It was that that surprised me. It should, I would have guessed it would have been a lot higher. But anyway, enough about me. So the next question: sweat and salt rate. Uh, in all my previous endurance events, I have cramped up. Oh, sorry, I've cramped up, but I'm still managed to finish at Geelong. I didn't cramp up until 18 kilometres into the run, and I cramped, and the cramps were minor, so I could still finish relatively strong. I know I sweat a lot as and salt. I know I sweat a lot and salty as the at the end of the events my tri suit is caked in salt. Hydration strategy for the 70.3 is no, normal breakfast, 600 mils of Gatorade per pre-swim, 600 mils of Gatorade and one gel every hour on the bike. Um, big warning sign for most people who listen to that bit. I'll get into that uh, for three hours and for the run electrolytes on at every two kilometers gels every 20 to 30 minutes uh, coincidental this is probably the only endurance event longer than two hours I haven't cramped up in so um, for the people that go oh, race strategy <laughs> drinking 600 mils of Gatorade and one gel every hour most people and if it's working for you you should keep that but most people if you have Gatorade or sports drink and you grab your sports gel and you have a gel at the same time that's gonna muck up your stuff real quick in you a lot of athletes get massive gut GI stress all of a sudden they feel like they're gonna poo through the eye of a needle they're getting all these massive cramps in their belly and then I'm more water and you know, or more drink it's so just if you're going to do that don't wait till race day to test that one out um so um a couple of things i've always been led to believe um and there's science to prove this there's science 
that doesn't that goes against this so you it's could be all a placebo effect but this is what i do two days out i start salt loading it's similar to carbo loading i start taking one capsule one salt stick tab tablet of a you know, morning one of an afternoon and then one before bed i do that for the two days leading into it that morning i wake up for race day i'll have another one if i know it's going to be hot i'll have a couple more throughout the days on the and then on the bike i'm having one you know for that first hour on the bike i'll have like a sports drink with one added salt tablet after that first hour i throw the sports drinks away for the rest of the race and i'll just only drink water but i'll have a gel every 20 to 30 minutes and i'll have a a salt tablet every 20 to 30 minutes not at the same time i generally you know let's say it's every 30 minutes so every 15 minutes i'll have one one 15 minutes i'll have a salt tablet the next 15 minutes i'll have a gel 15 minutes later i'll have a tablet yeah and i'll just go on that that pattern and i only drink water when i'm on the run i follow that same concept but if i don't have a gel i'm having coke but i won't have them both i used to cramp up a lot too um and to so that's that's the nutrition side that may or may not be the issues that you're experiencing generally though i um that that's what i do looking at what you're having i don't think it's more the nutrition that's giving you cramps it's probably a conditioning thing so changing your training um to handle that level of fatigue without compromising technique without you know cramping it so it's like doing hard you know picking sessions where you're just burying yourself um getting doing one session i love to do but don't give it to people these days because everyone's on smart trainers but you go out on a three four hour bike ride come back chuck your bike straight onto a trainer ride one hour at race watts get off the bike and run 12 one kilometer efforts at just above Ironman race pace if you're doing Ironman if you're doing 70.3s it's that little bit faster than 70.3 race pace and you just with a 20 only 20 second walk in between and that's when you have your nutrition during that and I found those sort of sessions would be really good that night smash smash the athlete with leg leg um with with gym with weight sessions with a gym session doing mostly focusing on legs the very next day it's be let's let's say let's do a 20 kilometer run for instance it's a half ironman athlete so we're gonna we're gonna pick a two-hour run during that run we're gonna be you know maybe do five five kilometers at race effort 10 kilometers just easy moderate moderate definitely not easy but moderate maybe 30 seconds per kilometer slower than race effort and then five kilometers at race effort but and then they start start the cool down so they're just can just starting to condition that body more and more and more and you're just slowly making it harder for the athletes so we come race day while it's things are getting you know things are going to get hard you're probably going to prevent that um cramping but i would if your nutrition's that you're getting enough calories maybe add salt into it i would dare say um it's you could probably do, without knowing anything about your training i would dare say you could probably do more 
with with the conditioning side of things and that will give you a bigger bang bang for your buck and hopefully you'll be getting in that last half of the race without any chance of cramping that's what i'd be looking at um i hope all that helps if you guys have any other questions jump on through to the website trainsmove.com until next episode hey